0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Pharmacast, the official podcast from the School of Pharmacy, Queen's University, Belfast. And this is the second in a very short series of two podcasts that centre on experiential learning. And as we mentioned in the first of these two podcasts, one of the biggest changes that we'll see uh, within our new version of our Form programme here at the School of Pharmacy, relates to that experiential learning in terms of its shape and its size. In that previous podcast, we spent a little bit of time focusing on what students can expect to get from their placement why they're doing that placement as well and how they can prepare for that before they actually get out into pharmacies both in hospital and out in community um, but in this particular podcast we want to spend a little bit of time focusing on our placement providers thinking about pharmacists who'll be working alongside students on placements what they can expect how they can prepare for that and so on as well so delighted to be joined again by Fiona Hughes who's a senior lecturer here at the School of Pharmacy and lead for experiential learning here at Queen's by Professor Roisin O'Hare who is the clinical education pharmacist lead for Northern Ireland and has also been very heavily involved in driving forward our experiential learning in secondary care and also by Professor Sharon Hockey, um, who has been really heavily involved in the Train the Trainers programme and is otherwise very heavily involved in the delivery of experiential learning here at the school and preparing students and everybody else for getting ready to undertake those all-important placements. So thanks very much for the three of you for joining us on this particular episode. Um, I guess we'll start off in a, a similar way as we started the, the previous podcast in this series just around the the sort of purpose of the placements, the benefits that we'll see from experiential learning as well. So, if we're now speaking to our placement providers, what could we maybe mention to them in terms of the purpose of EL, experiential learning, um, and the benefits of that as well?
1: Um, Thanks, Dan. I think it's helpful, first of all, just to kind of set the scene for experiential learning In 2021, the GPHC and the PSNI released updated standards for the education of pharmacists. um, And within that, there's an increased emphasis on the role of experiential learning. So previously here in Northern Ireland, pharmacy students did five separate days of placement. Now that offering has significantly increased. So there will undertake 12 weeks of placement now um, in periods of one, two or three weeks at a time and now students are going to be out much earlier in the M-Pharm degree as well. So we're really excited about this, it's great news. There are so many benefits to experiential learning um, and students learning in and from practice. Um, First of all, it presents an opportunity for students to imagine their future role. It's to imagine themselves as pharmacists. And this is really important because it contributes to development of professional identity. Um, and it gives them something to aim for in terms of professional development and motivation as well. Um, A huge part of this is the pharmacists that they see around them and you're role modelling all the time, I mean the students are just taking everything in. So you'll perhaps even see this yourself when students start to maybe say things that they've heard you say or they do things that they have observed you doing. So it's a really, really great opportunity for role modelling and to really help shape the pharmacists of the future And importantly as well, to foster a sense of belonging for the students. So, I mean, they've been in university settings, they've been learning all about pharmacy, but this is the chance for them to really feel like they belong to pharmacy, to that community of practice, to that they get that sense of belonging to the profession. profession. Um, Secondly, it's just a really rich learning opportunity. Students have a really amazing opportunity to learn in university, I mean we're really innovative with what we do to present authentic experiences in university, but practice is as you all know the most authentic of all and it is impossible to capture that diversity in a classroom. Sometimes we only think of learning as happening when we study or we read books or we do a webinar or e-learning, but in practice settings particularly, we're learning all the time, particularly in response to new experiences. Um, And students in practice settings are exposed to new experiences all the time during experiential learning, as well as gaining an understanding of the role of the pharmacist in every sector. So they begin to understand as well how the multidisciplinary team works and get a real proper insight into patient care as it happens in real time.
2: I think that's I think that's great, Fiona. I think that's completely right, isn't it? Though so here at university setting, we've simulated lots of things that they will see and lots of parts really of the job that pharmacists do in all settings. But sometimes it we because we have to break it down for them to understand what's happening, it can feel a bit Broken up, and they find it harder than to piece it all back together into what does a pharmacist actually do. So that's a really core goal of experiential learning is actually showing them what your job really is, and then what they will expect. Whenever they join the workforce, uh, they're future pharmacists. They are our future. So you know how are we going to do that for them? So, uh, as Fiona said, it's it's such an amazing opportunity for them to pull it all together and to kind of just build those little building blocks in their brains and pull it all into this is who I'm going to be and this is I can see myself in this role. So what's your job really within that and thinking about you know what what does that mean for you I think that you as a practice supervisor you're their sort of guide on the side through this process so you help them sort of sift through some of that knowledge and skills that they've learned from us at university and put it into practice with real patients in that real setting and we all know it is just completely different when you've got a real person in front of you who maybe isn't able to understand because maybe they're they're hearing impaired or maybe doesn't understand the terminology that's been used even though the student has tried to make that more patient friendly and it's just about thinking about how you can you know gently guide the student to a different consultation the next time so how to really activate a few of those skills and slowly but surely eke them along towards where they need to be in terms of being a, a safe beginner on this journey of becoming a pharmacist and it's all those things that we just can't predict that can happen so I don't know you're on the ward or you're in your pharmacy and something amazing comes in the door that you couldn't have predicted was going to be this incredible opportunity for students to get involved in so we think through all the things that we see as your normal job maybe taking medication history maybe it's dispensing it's providing advice over the counter to a patient coming in but then something else comes in and you think great let's focus on this and give the students a chance to have a go and it might be for example in that scenario it's something that they haven't learnt about yet at university and that's all right students might feel a little bit anxious and it's worth saying to them it's a chicken and egg I always talk about this so it doesn't really matter if you've learnt it first and then put it into practice in practice Or if you see it in practice and then you will know about it whenever Sharon or Fiona or Dan give the lecture, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I already saw this. So think about that. Think about, you know, let's have a go and explain to them what it is. Give them a chance to apply learning if they have it or to read about it afterwards and discuss it with you. So it's really just thinking through all of those opportunities and then the other thing really rich thing is giving them a chance to talk to you about the decisions that you've made so say for example you have a patient that's come in and they've got high blood pressure and you don't exactly follow nice guidelines and the prescribing decision that you've made but why is that is it because the patient is pregnant? Is it because they're renally impaired? Because of the other comorbid states that they have, and it's explaining to them your decision-making process, and that's just a little light, isn't it? A little insight for them into how it works in the real world, and that's very important that we expose them to them.
0: Absolutely. Great stuff. I think that's a pretty good sale as to why we're doing experiential learning with our students. Uh, I guess for our our placement providers and for pharmacists who will be working with our students now out out on placement, there may be a few questions around what students will be expected to do, what students can be expected to be involved in. So maybe if I join a couple of questions together here, I guess it might be useful to know what activities we would expect students to be involved in when they're, they're out there during their, their experiential learning and, and really what specifically can students be asked to do whenever they're out on those placements as well?
3: I think in terms of activities and what students should be in, expected to be involved in, my key piece of advice to all practice supervisors is that sh- students should be involved in whatever you and your team are doing. So that's the piece of advice that I've always given practice supervisors. Um, in the past, we might have had had, um, a more traditional approach I suppose where students had booklets to complete um, and that meant that they could do that largely independently and it took them away from that learning experience so the approach now to learning and practice is certainly evolving and we're moving on and getting involved in best practice around getting involved in learning, it's not about just reading and writing, it's about participating in practice and that's where that richness comes from that Fiona and Roshin have, have articulated so clearly here, that's what you offer as a practice supervisor in your work in your place of work and so the students should be hands-on and involved and I'll I'll, I'll let others talk about the delights (laughs) of the activity. Yeah I think it's just you're
1: right Sharon and I think it's for practice supervisors to know that we understand that they are experts in their own practice they have such rich experience of the setting that they're working in and the patients that they you know they're encountering every day and we really you know a priority for us was making sure that the students had a really structured opportunity to engage with the practice supervisors around that to engage in feedback with those expert pharmacists and to do this in a really structured way. So we've developed a framework of entrustable professional activities or EPAs um, and it's basically It's comprised of milestones on the way to becoming a registered pharmacist. So EPAs are practices that are undertaken by pharmacists. So if we think of one like counselling a patient, for example, and the students can have a go at this in practice, undertake it while being observed by their practice supervisor. The practice supervisor will initially give the the student a chance to reflect on how they think it's gone and to actually articulate this, to verbalise it, to discuss it with the practice supervisor. Um, And then this conversation is a really great opportunity for learning for the student because the practice supervisor then reciprocates by saying, well, this is how I think it went. This is what I saw. Um, And as part of that feedback conversation, we would really love practice supervisors to explain how they might have approached it. So if they would have done something differently than the student and, you know, they will have different ways of doing things than maybe the student's ever been exposed to before. So talk to the student about why you would have done it differently signpost them perhaps to helpful references, um, maybe direct them to do some reading, um, and also you know, set out that you want to discuss it further after they've done that reading if you want to, but really just being very explicit if you can about the decisions that you would have made and how you would have approached it. Importantly, this will help the student to understand what they can do to be even better the next time that they undertake that practice themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's just to come in there, and I completely agree with you now that e- EPAs are, are a really good way of us kind of you know, breaking down some of the core activities that you're doing within your practice setting. But there are other things that, that are going on. And as Sharon has said already, basically everything that you're doing, we want the student to be involved in. And not, as much as possible, not just observing, actually getting involved in the normal activities of the workplace. So whatever that is, if you want them to get a little bit involved in dispensing, that's great. Practicing some skills about talking to You know, the patients about something completely new. For example, is there a new drug user service in your? In your pharmacy, is that something they can they can get involved in? Or, for example, in secondary care, we might have somebody who's coming for um, a DC conversion. Can they observe that? And importantly, talk to you about it afterwards and how that links to their role and how that links to medications that might be used in that setting, for example. The other thing is, like, can the student join you on the ward round or at the board round or in multi-professional team meeting or some something else that you're going to that relates to your practice? So as much as possible, we want them to be an active participant and they can make an authentic, and to contribution to you and your team so obviously we often see in, in my setting in secondary care medical student colleagues taking a medical history and examining patients and these patients will have already had a medical history taken but they importantly they need to have another go and then what they do is they compare what they've done with what's already in the notes and they can learn then if they've missed something or importantly if they've identified something that has not been already recorded so these are all really important things and then they discuss that with their supervisor and that's what we want to see people having a go and then having a conversation afterwards about what they've learned so it is perfectly acceptable for pharmacy students for example to take another medication history from a patient who's already had that done as long as they discuss that with you afterwards so it's just thinking imaginatively around what happens in your setting and as Sharon and Fiona have said you'll know better from your own setting you're the expert in that area as to what opportunities are going to be presented from your normal workplace setting and just have a think about what can the student do great if it's useful for you that's even better (laughs) they'll feel better that they've helped out and you'll feel better because you've got some extra work done so I think
1: I'm just building on that actually it's important as well to know that you're just capitalizing on the opportunities that are already there we're not expecting that practice supervisors should ever have to create you know something different than what they alre- are already doing just because it's a student that's there so you know whatever's happening just making sure that you're facilitating the student's participation but that you're not having to make something up for them to do.
0: I think it's that that authenticity I guess is the kind of underlying theme throughout all of this and that's really what's the good opportunity for for students when they're out on on their experiential learning so that's that's great I think that would be very feature packed if these guys are out on placement so I think if I was sitting here as a as a practice supervisor about to meet my my student for the, the the first time it's great to know what I can expect of the student but I'll probably be thinking a little bit about what's expected of me um, as a practice supervisor as well so would I be able to maybe get you guys to speak a little bit about the main roles of what the practice supervisor would be, what sort of things we would be expecting off them in terms of support and other things that they would provide to, to students? First
3: and foremost, they're going to act as a role model for that student. Yeah. That student wants to be a pharmacist, so they're getting to work with you as a pharmacist yeah. in your practice. So um as a practice supervisor, that role modeling um, aspect is really, really important to what you're doing. You're being an advocate for that student and for the fact that they're learning. So they are building skills and knowledge um, every minute and hour that they're with you. Um, You'll trust them then to try things out. They will have um, been able to simulate lots of these activities in the university setting before they come out to you. So they've got to a certain level. Now they're going to do it with real patients uh, in and in real practice. So trust them to try things out. Um, we'll talk about this later, but one of the really key things is to welcome them um, and make sure that that welcome is sincere um, and that you're welcoming them, welcoming them to your team that you're working with. Um, and so they get to feel as if they're part of the team Mm. they're there for a week or more um, so you want them to feel that um, and they're doing things rather than just observing so that will help with that Um, and basically they're working alongside you there could be a temptation to pop them into a little room on their own somewhere (laughs) reading through protocols or service specs or whatever and that's not what this is about so they need to be in your environment don't pop them off in a separate space and if there's things that you want them to read or look at before you do something else they can you know they can take that home and do it but they need to feel part of your team so they need to be with you so that that role modeling aspect and working with you are, are key parts of this
1: yeah, and obviously, you know, from an academic perspective, EPAs are a central aspect. Um, these are the practices where students have a go in a structured way. Um, they reflect with the practice supervisor and how it went. Um, and practice supervisors are given help and advice and opportunities for students to practice before trying again. So basically watching and deciding what help and direction the student needs to improve and that will be individual for every single student so there's not going to be a one-size-fits-all approach to helping the students. Um, But hopefully by the end of the week, the students should be at a a safe beginner level for all the EPAs. Um, The students have in the past been very kind of um, task-focused and it is really important that, I suppose, as well as these EPAs though, they understand that the whole week is full of learning and completion of the EPAs to a satisfactory level doesn't actually signal the end of placement. So just because they've kind of got on well and those are done, that that's not the end of it. There's still so much going on around them that's really important part of learning. Um, So the EPAs represent kind of all pharmacist practices as well. So just drawn on what I mentioned already, you shouldn't have to create scenarios, so for example counsel on a patient can be on an over-the-counter medicine, a prescribed medicine, a new medicine within the context of a query or a service, um, a patient centre calculation can be in the context of a dose check or a clinical check or a prescribing activity. So it's really, you can see that there are lots of different ways that you know the EPAs can be pitched. Um, but a really central part, as I, I keep emphasising, is just that feedback conversation with the student because there's so much potential for learn post learning and signposting there, Dan. And
3: that fits into how you structure your week and then how the student feels welcomed. Yeah. So if you know that you have... and um, The student will know that they have EPS to undertake whilst they're with you. Um, it's how you structure that. And part of that is that first impression whenever they walk in through the door. <laughs> um, so know their name, um, welcome them. Um, Really, really simple things make such a huge impression on um, all learners, all trainees. So that welcoming aspect and then carving out um, sort of areas in that week where you're going to start to do activities and have... Not, it's not going to take the whole week to do those activities, but you want to then identify places in that working week where you're going to sit down. Students may be going to be observed doing something, and you have time then to give them feedback. Um, so you work that in and around when you know at times are busy in that in, in the business that you're in, uh, in the placement and provider that you're in. Make sure you structure that with the student, set your expectations, um, and you know plan that all in, and that will make that student feel part of that placement and part of your of your workplace. Um, I think sometimes practice supervisors are worried that they're going to have to teach uh, in the traditional sense lots of information and yeah. knowledge that's that'll be covered at the uni side or as has mentioned before the chicken and egg thing if they don't know they can go off and look things up you can signpost them that that's brilliant to do that you're not expected to teach in that traditional sense and just passing over information it's all about the experience um, so we really want students to go off and do whatever reading you suggest and discuss it with you later but once you have that carved out that week carved out or two weeks carved out with the student it'll really help with those first impressions and and set them up for a a great experience with you
0: absolutely um so i think that will hopefully help folks in terms of particularly those first few moments of getting people settled in and getting that placement off to a successful start which then leads on to a successful placement which is good um just to touch on something that you'd mentioned towards the end of what you were you were saying there sharon and and something that roshina mentioned earlier on and we were chatting a little bit about this before we pressed record too is that You've obviously worked with placement um, supervisors and practice supervisors a lot in in the past. and the question that comes up time and time again is, well, how do I know what a student knows at this point in time and what don't they know and how might that affect things? I I guess maybe what sort of advice would you give to our our placement and practice supervisors around that and the knowledge that students might have?
1: Yeah, um, Dan, I think, I mean, we can certainly inform anyone of the whole curriculum and what students have been taught, but this doesn't always mean that they, they know it mm-hmm. or that they all know it in the same way. Yeah. They all interpret things. We all interpret things differently when, when we learn it or we're exposed to something. Um, so students may not always know what they're supposed to know, if you like, or they may know it, but they just can't make the connection yet between what they know and the situation that's in front of them. Even just being nervous can really affect yeah. how you know you use what you already know or what you can already do. So we recommend that, and I know Sharon's talking about that, the importance of the welcome and, you know, making the student feel that they belong. But I I would also suggest that whenever the the student first arrives, that you make some time to just talk to the student about what they know. Ask them, talk to them about what they're good at, maybe what they don't understand and maybe might want to practice even more. Um, Importantly, your focus is on the skills and the competence that's needed for the practices in the setting that you're in. So as Sharon mentioned as well, rather than focusing on lots of knowledge or even thinking that you have to know it all, we're not really focusing on that. We want you to teach them and show them how to be a pharmacist, you know, rather than knowing everything. And they'll really benefit from the help of the practice supervisor with this.
2: I think I think that's absolutely right, guys. I think there's just that that thing where sometimes your first impression is that, you know, that the students knowledge maybe isn't so good in your area like i've certainly had this in cardiology when i first asked the questions you're like i have to even go back down as far as cardiology is about the heart you know before i sort of see some light bulbs going on But I'm often very surprised that even though I've had to roll right back to, you know, what do we really understand by the setting in which you find yourself, they can actually quickly, as Fiona and Sharon said, they maybe think, oh yeah, actually I I have been taught that as they move through. So it just takes a little bit of time for them to assimilate, settle down 100%. Nerves is absolutely part of that. And also just being so impressed by you as being this like font of all knowledge (laughs) as they perceive you to be with your experience. And that just takes a little while for them to settle in and fit into their own skin so I definitely recommend that you use lots of questioning to help them just realise how much they already know that's already in there. And I love it when you kind of just unpick it and you just see that they really do get it from the scenario. And they've got it themselves without me having to give a lecture on hypertension or AF. So, like, just to give an example of AF, you know, you've got a newly admitted patient into the ward um, who says, and you start by saying, "Okay, well, this patient's got atrial fibrillation. You know, start with a really open question like, you know, what do you know about atrial fibrillation? Just start with that, let it sit, let them tell you what they know. And if they don't know maybe simply explain it to them and then you can start with well, okay now we know what it is how do you think that will be treated or how do you know it's treated so what you know what level are they at and then if they are able to explore that existing management plan with the actual patient in front of them then to see is it what they expected is it not what they expected after you've had your conversation and then if they've got particularly good core knowledge you can then well, I often go a little bit further and then I'll say things like okay well what would you do now if your patient was renally impaired how would that change your management strategy okay or what if they were also on this drug how would that change what's happening here Or what else do we have to worry about with this patient long term what is your job as a pharmacist in terms of ensuring this patient is safely managed in this condition so what additional tests have to happen long term and then how would you explore that with your patients so I think that's really important as a supervisor is pulling apart some of their knowledge and making them critically think through what's happening with their patient and also that your job is all part of that it's all part of the understanding and management of their patient over the long term not just that short term interaction
0: great stuff i think we're doing well to pull together quite a nice toolkit here for our um, our practice supervisors when everyone is out on placement we know pharmacists well um, we know that pharmacists and, and practice supervisors who'll be listening to this will say that's great i'll be able to do all of this hopefully out, uh, out when placements are happening but what about that sort of preparation aspect what can i do to be ready for my students arriving would and if you have any advice that we could pass on to those practice supervisors in terms of what they might be able to do before we get started with the placements
1: yeah, well i think listening to this podcast is a really good start yeah. <laughs> yep. good um, it, it has ourselves. though hopefully set the scene yeah. um and really set out what it is that we're hoping to achieve with the experiential learning um, more specifically then i think For any pharmacist that they make sure that they do the mandatory training that is available for them that's specific to the sector that they're working in. So NICPLD for example have created some training for those who are supervising in primary care Um, and I know Russian you can probably talk to what's happening um, in your sector as well. In addition to that, then in primary care, NICPLD have built the experiential learning hub. So this is a suite of resources that they house and that pharmacist practice supervisors can access at any stage. And that will include things like the EPA templates um, and any other information or tools that they'll need. And then, thirdly, I would recommend actually that they try to seek out other practice supervisors. So, start to build networks, talk to other people. This is pretty new for everyone. Um, And, you know, there'll be lots of learning for us all in terms of how this is going to work and, you know, what works well and maybe what doesn't work so well. So, I think that kind of finding someone else to share your experiences with and hearing about theirs is going to be really, really valuable. So, kind of setting up that community of practice around. pharmacist's learning and practice really and, and educational supervision
2: I think that's great Fiona I think I totally recommend that as well just to pick up on what you said about secondary care yeah so obviously we've been doing this a little bit longer um, than the, some of the other sectors and, and we've also set up sort of live workshops for train the trainers that we've run for the past sort of 10 years or so and our pharmacists do those every every three years to keep themselves up to date they provide teaching tips on bedside teaching and questioning techniques so things like the one minute perceptor, think aloud and snaps and how to have a feedback conversation that we've chatted about I know a lot here today and the uh, ever popular how to create that sense of inclusion and belonging that we run and Sharon and I have run this successfully with a a colleague called Thomas Smith from uh, from Queen's Language Centre and that's a very that's really the most popular thing probably that we run. We've also developed an e-learning programme for those who can't attend our live events. Um, And that really helps people to think through some of the core skills needed to develop the learners in the workplace. So things like questioning that I talked about earlier and things about, you know, if you're having a challenge with a student, maybe some of the tips that we would advise, you know, how to maybe help the student access their knowledge, for example, or to feel that they really can do the tasks and how to support them through that we also prior to every placement run specific briefing sessions so for those of you in secondary care i'd really advise that you attend those they are about the placement that's about to happen so for example third year coming up in this semester specifically what epas and also we go through a little bit about what's expected of the the student and also you as a practice supervisor at those at those sessions We've also developed a series of resources in the form of short videos to help with some of the individual questions that practice supervisors have raised this year, so um, what to do if your student turns up late, all those kind of practical things that can happen, and and to direct people to that, so they're all on your your local Trust SharePoint site, and and we'd really advise that you, that you you would access that, how to have the introductory conversation that Sharon was talking about, for example, and as I said, what to do if your student's just struggling, some little tips around that.
3: And to pick up on what Roisin has talked about there, working with Thomas Smith, um, NICPLD have a mentor development session that has been recorded that we were all involved in and that talks about inclusivity um, and professional belonging. So, again, just if you get a chance, if you listen back to that recording, um, that will help you with what we've talked about um, in that sort of first impression, welcoming uh, and helping somebody uh, feel like they belong in that week or two weeks that they're with you um, I always say put yourself in the, the shoes of the student and they're walking into your workplace, they may never have been in that town or village or city before um, and they're trying to find their feet, so the key tips even within that recorded resource are so helpful to help you put yourself in that place And um, for some of us that was a very long time ago so you have to think back and put yourself in their position uh, and think about what you can do very simple things that you can do to help that student feel um included and that they belong within your team so that would be a resource that I would
2: uh, push people towards and signpost as well I think that's so important and I think there's just that if there's one thing that you take away it's like we we talk a lot with patients about the hello my name is that we use with them and it just applies to the setting so nicely it's like hello how are you come on in and if you've forgotten their name, quickly glance at it or ask them <laughs> again Just remind me of your name. But hopefully you know their name. Say, like, come on in, Rashine, come on in and grab a seat. And you're so welcome. I've been really looking forward to you coming. Let's sit down and have a chat about what you're going to do this week and how you're feeling. That just sets it up in a lovely start, doesn't it? And they'll feel safe. And that's yeah. how we learn best.
0: Yeah. Good stuff very practical to very complex advice that will hopefully help us to deliver some really successful placements I think at that point it's really just all it's left for me is to say thanks very much to the three of you for the information that you've provided hopefully all of our practice supervisors who have listened to this will have found it very useful um, what I'll also mention is that we will provide as many signposts as we possibly can alongside the podcast so a lot of the stuff that we've mentioned over the course of the podcast um, for the last few minutes that so we'll be able to find a little bit more about um, in the information that accompanies the podcast then please do have a look at that when you can get a chance to. So, again, thank you very much to Fiona, to Roisin and to Sharon for taking the time to provide a little bit of help, guidance and reassurance to our practice supervisors as we start to get on underway with our experiential learning for the years ahead. Thanks very much to you for listening as well and, and we'll hope to, to speak to you again soon on the next episode of the podcast. So, thanks very much for now.
2: Thanks very thanks, much, thanks Dan.